Spencer. Last episode, we talked about Trek's new Madone Aero race bike. Super fast bike being raced in Tour de France right now. This week, though, we got to talk about the paint job because Trek has unveiled six new paint jobs under this Project One Icon paint schemes. They're just so sharp looking. Tell me about this uh, this new project. Yeah, this project's so cool because they create these bikes and give them premium paint jobs filled with texture and depth and mood. It's just masterful paint work. And there's six different options, so we're gonna do a little bad radio for you guys, run through all of them real quick, but we'll put a link in the description for this show so you can check them out yourself in person. Yep. What's the first one? First? All right, there's the Chrome Tour. It is a play off of the existing paint job for Trek Segafredo, except a real pearl white red that just pops. Yep, you'll see those in the Tour de France. Got the reflective paint job. This is a little bit of a throwback. It's kind of like a mood ring, shades of amethyst, bright green, and it kind of uh, changes with your mood, sort of, you know? Next one, brushed liquid metal, kind of like gun smoke. Ooh, very good, very good. Black gold, this is a real classy one. It's classy like a tuxedo, you know, bling bling, man. This is a good looking paint job right here. Uh, speaking of bling, this candy emerald green is a green that, it's not like a dollar bill green, it's like the greenest grass you've ever seen. The greenest green, green straight out of Wizard of Oz, man. Yeah. This is wild. And then last but not least, my favorite, Prismatic Pearl. This one is psychedelic. It changes like with the light and it's like, it's like an oil slick, it's very cool. So again, it's called the Project One Icon Paint Schemes. We're gonna post a link to it in the body of this post and it's all around Trek's new Madone. So thanks to Trek for sponsoring this week's episode of the podcast. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Velo News Podcast. I'm Dane Cash here with Andy Hood. Andy, where are we? We are in the breakfast room at a hotel in Saint-Nazaire, France along the western Atlantic coast. A few hours after the team time trial. Yeah, I'm, I'm liking this hotel, although it did take us a little while to get here, eh? About about an hour, hour and 15, maybe, from Cholet? Yeah, yeah. It was about an hour, hour and a half drive, you know, after uh, an exciting day in Cholet. And finally, kind of the Tour de France has begun, right? We've been in, uh, in uh, La Roche there for three, four, five days. Now we're on the road, and now it's bing, bing, bing all the way to Paris. And uh, the GC guys really came out to play today as well. This was a big day for the general classification. I mean, we've had some big days already for the big GC guys, but maybe a bit unexpectedly. But the team time trial, definitely a big day for the GC guys. So we're, we're coming to you after stage three here uh, in Cholet. That's a 35.5K time trial. Uh, a great day to do a podcast because it was an important day for the GC. It was a day where... If you really wanted to uh, contend for the yellow jersey of the Tour de France, you really had to be on it today. Yeah, that's right, Dave. I was actually surprised at how, how tight the top of that uh, leaderboard was today. You look at the top five teams, I think the differences were just really a matter of, of seconds. And that kind of tells you really how serious these teams take these team time trials, what it means to the, to the top teams really to perform at a highest level. And then at the other end of the spectrum, to be, to be honest, I expected bigger differences to the teams that lost time. I mean, the biggest loser today, was, I think, was uh, Kofidis lost three minutes. I thought that was going to be what we'd see with teams like AG2R and UAE. But actually, a lot of teams kind of held their ground. Some teams, obviously, are on the back foot already after three stages. But it's uh, all knotted up, really, because you got Froome and Sky and Ports kind of regain that time they lost the other day in that Stage 1 crash. Yeah, and maybe to provide some context here, the, the Stage 3 winner, BMC, uh, completes the 35.5K TTT in 38 minutes, 46 seconds. Sky right there just behind him, four seconds behind. Pretty remarkable, by the way, that they were separated by only four seconds across 35.5 kilometers. Uh, Quick Step, Mitchelton Scott, 
Sunweb, and maybe a little bit surprisingly, EF Education First were, were your next couple of finishers there. Uh, as you pointed out, a lot of those teams in the top of the leaderboard, very, very close together, not big gaps between some of those GC guys. A little bit further down, there were some losers, definitely some some uh, guys who shipped a, a minute or two. Uh, well, let's get into that. Let's get into who were the big winners, the big losers on the day. I mean, I think we can obviously start with BMC. They won. They won the team time trial. Not not really a, a tough question here to answer. They're a big winner, uh, definitely for Richie Port, who lost 51 seconds on stage one. This was a nice way to kind of just jump right back into contention and, and get the morale back up. I think. Yeah, it was it was a huge win for BMC. It meant a lot to that franchise. This could be their last tour de France as a team. They're obviously looking for a sponsor. Greg Van Avermaet said in the press conference after the stage, nothing is clear yet in terms of that search. You know, do they have a sponsor? Do they not? At this point, it sounds like they don't, but it sounds like there's some encouraging signs. But at this point of the season, riders are going to start peeling off and, and taking care of their future. So it was huge. It was absolutely huge for this team to win this. Kind of, They won it for the legacy of Andy Reese, who backed this team for the last six, seven, eight years. And it gave Greg, Greg, Greg Van Avermaet the yellow jersey and put Richie Port right back, kind of where he was two days ago, yeah, yeah. back where he is now. He did, they didn't gain anything, but they're back where they were. A bit of an equalizer in that respect. Uh, and, and Van Avermaet, you know, with the flat stage on stage four, uh, some lumps on that stage five, but there's a chance that Van Avermaet could spend a little bit of time in that jersey. Of note, American listeners, of course, TJ Van Garderen on the same time as Greg Van Avermaet, uh, provisionally, or officially, sorry, in, in second place overall, but on the same time. So if TJ were to uh, outclimb Greg Van Avermaet here at any of these upcoming stages, there is that possibility Obviously, keep your eyes on that uh, situation. Team Sky finishing second on the day. I'm going to give them a, a winner-ish because, I, you know, this is a team that uh, actually the, the bookies had them favored to win the day. Certainly right up there, just four seconds back. Froome's got to be pleased. Just like Richie Port, he gains back, you know, most of that time that he lost on a lot of his rivals. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like Sky could have put in a better ride. On the other hand, at least they didn't crash. And, and uh, you know, at least they came through safely and did put in a, a, a strong ride in the end. Yeah, I think everyone was pretty happy around the Team Sky bus today. We were talking to uh, Garant Tomas, Chris Froome, uh, Nicola Portal. You know, they, they, they were happy with where they were. I mean, four seconds, four seconds is nothing in the Tour de France unless you're Greg LeMond and Laurent Fignon. That might count for something. But right now, they were just, I mean, Froome was loose. He was happy to be back. You know, get back that time that he lost in that stage one crash. And man, that crash, and I was asking Chris today, um, you know, that crash, we saw the video from Vallon, the, the video of uh, the Froome crashing on Saturday. And man, he dodged a bullet in that crash. I mean, he flew off that road, just missed that pylon, missed the fence, and really walked away with nothing. And that's a, compare that to what happened to the Giro when he crashed in a warm-up for the team time trial. And that crash really affected him at the Giro last month. And everyone around the team bus today was saying that Chris has no real serious after effects from that crash on Saturday we saw today on the team time trial. Which is pretty remarkable because, uh, as you'll recall, Hoodie, we were in the press room, we were watching when that happened and that that crash, and uh, you know, I caught a glimpse of it kind of out of the corner of my eye, and I remember saying, ah, oh, you know, he crashed, but it didn't look all that bad, Hoodie. And you said, no, that looked pretty bad, actually. We watched it on replay, and I remember thinking, oh, you know, Hoodie's right, that looked really bad. <laughs> and yeah. uh, it actually did look a lot worse than apparently it ended up being. I mean, he seemed like he got out of it remarkably okay for how hard he seemed to hit the ground there. 
Yeah, man, just goes to show you it's it's a game of inches, really. I remember that, uh, you know, way, way back in the early aughts when uh, that, that famous stage where Armstrong kind of danced across uh, that switchback back in the dirty aughts when, uh, <laughs> when Lance Armstrong, you know, ran across that hayfield and jumped across. And that just shows you that, uh, you know, Joseba Baloki's career basically yeah, ended right. on that crash. Right. I think it was back in 2002, 2003. And so... It could have been the end of Chris Froome's right. uh, Tour de France in, in stage one. So they were pretty loosey-goosey coming in after the stage there. They were pretty giddy. You know, Garen Tomas's pole position there at three seconds back. Here's what Chris Froome had to say after today's team time trial. Chris, you know, an important yes. day for the team. You lost only about four seconds to Richie Porte, but it looks like you put the time on, on all your other rivals. Yeah, I mean, I think there's still still a few more teams to come in, um, so we'll, we'll wait and see what the results say at the end of the day. But I think just just going on feeling of um, how we rode that, I think we can be pretty happy. Um, I mean, um, yeah, I think we gave it everything we had, and uh, it pretty much went all, all to plan. I mean, you can never tell who's gonna who's gonna be on a good day, who's not, and uh, I think all in all, it worked out really well for us. And We'll be there and thereabouts with, with whoever's going to win today. A stressful first couple of days, especially for yourself. Happy to get to this team time trial? Yeah, I mean, obviously it didn't start too well with the, with the crash on stage one, but that's that's bike racing and still a lot of racing to come. So just, just taking it one day at a time at the moment and, uh, yeah, trying to get get through the best we can until we get to the mountains. Well, Chris, you pulled back some of that time you lost. That must be you. Yeah, I mean, that's that's reassuring. I mean, uh, yeah, it would have been nice not to lose it in first place, but that's, uh, as I said, that's just bike racing, and uh, I think there'll be a lot more time lost by throughout the GC group um, before before we hit the mountain. So it's, it's one day you gain, one day you lose, and that's that's just the nature of uh, nature of the game, really. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm feeling fine after the crash. Thankfully, it was a soft landing in the field, so. Uh, yeah, no, no injuries, not like in Jerusalem. Amazing. Thanks, guys. All right, so that is uh, Chris Froome, of course, defending champion at the Tour de France uh, and the Giro d'Italia and the Volta Espana, for that matter. Uh, he's, uh, <laughs> and the Tour de France. He's won a couple of uh, bike races in the last couple of years. Uh, Sky, as we said, uh, definitely up there, did a, did a great ride today, and they got to be happy to claw back some of that time. Uh, team Sunweb, another one of these winners, a team that, yeah, they won the team time trial at Worlds a couple, or last year. Uh, and so from that respect, you know, from the stage victory perspective, I was talking to their DS uh, today and he was saying, yeah, well, we obviously wanted the stage win. But bigger picture, I mean, GC, to have Tom Dumoulin uh, right up there, probably one of the best placed of the GC guys right now. That's a big win for Team Sunweb. They had a nice ride. They only lost uh, 11 seconds to BMC, which uh, if you consider the fact that Dumoulin was not one of those GC guys that lost 50 some odd seconds on stage one. Uh, big win for Sunweb. Similar situation, I think you have to see uh, EF Education First as having a really successful, at least in the GC department, first three stages. Rigoberto Uran as well, one of those riders who on the first stage did not lose any time, uh, was, was just savvy and up there with the lead group. And then coming into stage three, I have to say, I was not expecting big things from EF. Uh, Rigoberto himself, bit of an inconsistent team uh, time trialist. Taylor Finney, a big engine, but behind those two guys, you know, I, I just didn't see them really stacking up against BMC, Sky, all these teams. And uh, in the end, they only lost 35 seconds. I think you got to see that as a win. Yeah, I mean, I think they were very happy around the uh, Education First bus when you were over there hanging out today, Dave. Uh, I mean, 
the the buzz there. I mean, they are riding this this year's Tour de France to win this thing. I think you know everyone's looking at uh, Froome, of course, Dumoulin, Richie Port, all these other guys. But man, inside the Education First team bus, they're all in for Rigo. And as like you said, this is this is this is a win. I mean, he's he's ahead of Chris Froome right now. No one expected that after the Stage Three team time trial. Yeah, one thing I think you have to say about Rigoberto Uran is that uh, at the last Tour de France where he ended up finishing second overall, is that he managed to do it in a sort of uh, quiet fashion. Not a lot of people were talking about Rigoberto during that entire race, really. And then you sort of got to that last two, three stages, and you started to you know, hear the the conversation was kind of wait. Rigoberto Uran's up there. He's going to finish second in this race, isn't he? So he's a guy who really thrives with that kind of savvy, quiet riding, kind of sneaking his way up into the GC. And so for him to be sitting uh, way up there right now in sort of the provisional GC without ever having had to put in an attack, that's exactly what he likes to do. That's exactly the way he wants to ride. Uh, Rigoberto Uran, I think, just like Tom Dumoulin, very well placed after the first three stages, maybe better than he or his team thought. Uh, And, of course, Uran today, given some props to Lawson Craddock, who has been one of the biggest stories of the Tour de France so far. Craddock, of course, crashed in Stage 1 very hard. Did not look good after that crash. Uh, got a lot of airtime. Uh, Craddock did while riding around, just blood dripping from his face. And uh, he has stayed in the race. It's sort of this, uh, this sense of, well, you know, I worked so hard to get here. He stayed in it. And, and you know what? He went and finished uh, this stage today. Yeah, I mean, Craddock is, is Lawson's just getting a lot of deserved kudos for what he's been doing this past couple of days. We spoke to him yesterday at the start of the stage. He revealed to us that he actually hit a water ball in the feed zone. That's what provoked the crash. He said uh, he was just going through the feed zone, said didn't even see the water bottle, and just catapulted over his bike. And uh, he, re- he revealed that he actually struck a spectator. Uh, he has since reached out to that person. That person is in the hospital. They're in touch. It sounds like that uh, Credit's making sure that things are doing well. But, you know, his, his story is kind of resonating really around the larger global cycling community. And a lot of people, you know, it's the World Cup right now. People are comparing it to uh, the soccer players, you know, with, uh, with Neymar, the famous Brazilian star, him riding on the, on the ground after getting clipped by, on his toe, and then uh, Neymar rolling across the pitch. And uh, someone asked... Lost in the other day, you know, you know, what do you think about these football players and what do you think about Neymar compared to cyclists? And he just said, because look, cyclists we're a different breed. He goes, if we if we fall and we crash, the race doesn't stop for us. And if you don't get up, you're out of the race. And that really just kind of represents the values and, and the courage that these guys have. They're out there day in, day out. We saw uh Lawson, you know, in this horrible, unlucky crash. We saw Chris Froome avoid a crash. And then we saw yesterday Leon Leon Sanchez, Luis Leon Sanchez, one of the most experienced and savvy bike racers in the Peloton, you know, goes out and some t- got tangled up in a crash, broke his elbow, and he's at home already. So it just tells you that these guys every day are putting their really their lives on the line. And uh, Lawson, I think, has is, is really uh, shown himself to be the character that he is. Texas tough, I think, is the, is the, uh, yeah, is yeah. the uh, hashtag. Going oh, around. yeah. Uh, I actually I chatted with Lawson a little bit uh, after the stage today to get a sense of uh, whether he's feeling a little bit better. You know, the, the plan was that he would hopefully improve every day, and then that, that would make it a little bit easier for him to stay in the race despite a broken shoulder blade. Uh, so let's hear from Lawson on that subject. Talk about how much it was hurting. I mean, do you feel like it hurts a little bit less today than yesterday? Yeah, um, 
the, the pain was definitely a bit more manageable today. And granted, today was a 40-minute effort instead of a four-hour stage, which which is helpful. Um, like I said, uh, I think being able to take some pressure off off my the arm as a whole by you know resting my elbow on the pads I think that was that was really beneficial for me today and, and also just we did so much work before the stage uh, with Kevin Sprouse Matt Raven our, our team uh, doctors in, in Cairo uh, and, and and that I mean that made the biggest that was that was the difference for me today was uh, just loosening that up getting the muscles kind of prepared for for what was about to happen and uh, moving on from there what kind of stuff is the team staffers telling you DS is telling you before the stage starts <laughs> Uh, you know, we, we kind of ran through everything from, uh, you know, you know, the pretty much the strategy for today, like, okay, best case scenario, uh, I feel good, I can contribute, but I'll, you know, try and make it through that, to that first village, about five or six in, um, the technical part, get that out of the way, and then, and then start rolling through. We, we covered all that to, uh, you know, worst case scenario, uh, you know, getting dropped and how fast I'd have to ride to the finish just to, just to make time cut, so. And do you feel like there's uh, any, real, I mean, obviously with the pain and everything, are you at all concerned about making any worse by uh, pushing on? Uh, I've been assured by the doctors that the, the fracture is, is stable and secure. Uh, so, and, and they say the best, you know, moving it isn't going to hurt it anymore. And, you know, the best thing I can do right now is actually just to keep, keep moving, uh, not let it stiffen up and, and, and go from there. Thanks, guys. Appreciate right. it. So, uh, I think we've, we've hit on most of the big winners of the day. You know, the teams that uh, either did a great job of uh, jumping up on their rivals or at least limiting their losses. Let's talk about some of the losers on the day. Uh, the, the big, the, the big GC team, the most, uh, prominent GC team that lost significant time, I think, would be uh, Movistar. And I don't think you can call them a huge loser. They didn't ship a huge amount of time, to be fair. But uh, this is a team that has done some great team time trials in the past. You look at some uh, Giri d'Italia in the past couple of years, and Movistar has always put in great rides there. They lost 54 seconds on teams uh, on BMC today, uh, and, and of course, therefore, they lost 40 or 50 seconds Sorry, on, on Team Sky. That is not going to bode well for Nairo Quintana's chances Mika Landa, Alejandro Valverde uh, didn't lose any time in stage one. So they're sort of uh, a mixed bag for them. But Movistar, I think, was probably hoping for a little more. Well, if you look at if you look at exactly that, if you look at Movistar, who they brought to this Tour de France compared to the BMCs and the Skies and maybe even uh, Sunweb, you know, those teams brought these kind of brawny, classics, front-and-loaded teams, and they're hoping this, to get their guy all the way to that Roubaix stage that big transfer down to C and a C, get them, their climbers, in the pole position, and then they'll have to fend for themselves to a large degree. Whereas I think Movistar is taking a completely different tact. They've got the three leaders and all the support riders they have, perhaps with the exception of maybe Erviti, you know, they're all just kind of climbers. Maybe Benati as well, he's not a climber. But the rest of that team, there's some pretty heavy firepower on that Movistar team for the mountains. And I think we'll see... You know, this race will change dramatically. They're kind of rolling the dice. They got three liters, really two and a half liters. <laughs> you know, Valverde is kind of just floating around there. You know, it's Landa, it's Nairo. Nairo, you know, had that, you know, really unlucky crash there. They broke both of his wheels just short of the 3K to go uh, banner on the, on the Saturday stage. You know, lost, I think, 115. Now he's more than two minutes behind Van Avermaet. But Landa and Valverde, they were pretty happy today. They came out of this thing saying, hey, you know, we're ahead of Froome, 
We're close to port. We're close to all these guys we want to be at. So it was kind of a win for Movistar. Yeah, I guess if you look at their their lineup for the upcoming mountains, it's kind of a murderer's row there with the, the climbing firepower that they have there. So to even still be in, in contention, I guess that's a bit of a win for Movistar. Uh, yeah, sort of a similar situation, I think, for uh, Vincenzo Nibali and, and even for Roman Bardet, who uh, rides to the AG2R team. This is a team that, let's face it, I mean, they pretty much always struggle in a team time trial. You have to hand it to them. They brought some guys who are decent against the clock uh, in, uh, to this race. Sylvain Dillier, Tony Gallopin, but they've had some injuries. And so their big time trial engines maybe not 100% healthy. And that leaves you with uh, Alexi Viermos, uh, Roman Partey, not the best time trialist. They lost a minute 15. It's a pretty hefty amount of time on the one hand. On the other hand, I guess they could have lost more. And I, honestly, I was kind of expecting them to lose a little more, I have to say. You're right, Dan. I was expecting a lot of these teams to lose a lot more time than they did. 115 and 35K, that's not really that, that much time. I expected some of these differences to be almost two minutes or even more. Um, you look down the list, even have teams like uh, UAE, you know, 138. Yeah, they're a little bit that, down that, there. That's yeah. a little bit further down yeah. the wrong end of that totem pole. You look down this list, you see uh, Lado Sudal, you know, 152 back. That's a little bit of the contrast to where they were. What was the Dauphiné when they had their little leg gel and they were well, they finished top three? Yeah, I have to hand it to uh, Marco Panotti of uh, BMC Racing. I, I talked to them that uh, their coach the other day just before the team time trial, and he said explicitly, he said just that. He said, I don't think the differences, at least at the top, are going to be like what we saw at the Dauphiné, which despite being a uh, similar distance you know, the teams here are just much more competitive. And you really saw that today. Teams took this team time trial very seriously. Some of the DSs that I talked to were talking about multiple recon rides of this course. You can see just from the start list, these are teams that are generally pretty well suited to the team time trial. People knew that this could be a decisive day. And I think in the end, that led to everybody being on a pretty equal plane because everybody took it seriously with the exception, maybe, of Kofidis. Uh, three minutes and 23 seconds down there. Of course, they don't really have a big GC guy. Sorry, Danny Navarro. Uh, not a great performance from them, but uh, I don't think anybody expected them to do well. You know, when, when you look at how the GC shakes out here, I mean, a lot of these riders have really dodged a bullet. I mean, if you look at where Chris Froome is right now in GC, you know, he, he is situated now at 18th overall, 55 seconds back. You know, Nibali and Bardet are all right there, stacked in at 106, 115 back. And that's, what, 10, 15 seconds to, to Froome. That is a win for those guys. Because otherwise, had Froome been on equal time, they would have been had that one minute plus already. And, and how do you take back a minute on, on Chris Froome or Richie Porter if they're on four? Sure, sure. So basically, after three stages, for most of these riders, it just seems like the uh, the crashing and the mechanicals on stage one, and then the team time trial today on stage. So we kind of cancel each other out. Unless maybe you're talking about Tom Dumoulin and uh, Rigoberto Uran, who kind of quietly seem to have kind of come out of this a little bit better than anybody else. What about TJ? What about TJ? Of course, <laughs> if he does uh, if he does outclimb Greg Van Avermaet here in any of these upcoming stages, he could find himself in the yellow jersey. It's a real possibility. Yeah, maybe the Mir de Breton. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll see how TJ, I mean, TJ obviously is devoted uh, domestique role to help Richie Porte in this Tour de France, at least right now. That's what we've heard, yeah. Well, uh, that's pretty much it for the team time trial. A lot of uh, interesting storylines coming out of that. And uh, next couple of days, yeah, there's some flat stages, but we're going to have some crosswinds. We're going to have the Mur de Bretagne, and then, of course, there's that cobbled stage coming up. So plenty of interesting things to follow here, even if there are a few sprinter stages uh, sprinkled in there. Definitely stay tuned for more of that. Uh, 
This has been the Velo News Podcast. I'm Dan Cash here for Andy Hood. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time.